Hi, it's Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you love digging into the week's political headlines, subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our reporters take you behind the scenes of some of the biggest stories from the campaign trail to the halls of Congress. Just for our Inside the Hive listeners, save 15% on a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair with promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off one year of all you can read, watch, and hear. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok, and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, drum roll, please. Welcome back to Inside the Hive. We have a new co-host present on the set. Well, present is a funny word for this because we do have a new co-host. I'm Emily Jane Fox. Um, Our new co-host is currently sleeping on my lap. So she's not making a great first impression, but Mm -hmm. she's here. We have little JR, June Rose to her enemies. But JR to everybody else. You guys are definitely her friends. And she is snoozing away despite all the things we have to discuss. But she's very happy to be here. And I'm so happy to be here. I've missed you. I've missed you too. And I'm happy to be here too. I wish uh, it's a lazy summer afternoon in July. And I would like to be where JR is taking a little uh, snoozer there. But, um, you know, we're obligated and passionate about bringing you news and commentary here on the podcast. But let me tell you, the news today is the arrival of JR to the scene. Very exciting. Uh, we've been talking about it on the podcast for the last I have heard my, my father-in-law filled me in on last week's episode. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. I will. But he told yes. me that you, you discussed her arrival, but we're waiting for her to come. He was very excited. It took a lot as a news person to withhold information. Well, you got the scoop. You got the scoop. Well, this little peanut, uh, and she's very much a little peanut, could not wait to get here so much so that she came three weeks early. And I had a feeling she was going to come early from the from the day I found out I was having a baby. I knew she was going to come early. But you and I had talked about the fact that imminently she was coming and she... Uh, We knew that we were going to name her June, but we thought she was going to be a June born in July. And we liked that. And then she decided to come on the very last day of June. She literally would not let us have it by one day. She had her own vision for what her name would be. And so we think we have a very uh, strong She wanted to be authentic. She wanted to beat the real deal. She, She is going to have to live with the fact that everyone will always say, were you named June because you were born in June? And... She will have to explain that, no, actually, she was supposed to be a June born in July, but she just had no chill and could not wait. She's excited to get here, and we were excited to have her here. And it's such a profound thing. There's a before and after. It's very obvious when you talk about it. You know, you're going to have a baby. You're pregnant. 
you realize you're pregnant, you feel something coming, then the after is, oh my God, I knew intellectually that this was going to happen, but now really here is a live human being. And this person is going to be, uh, you know, living in parallel to me and all my loved ones and lots of other people who I haven't even met yet for years to come. It's just, uh, you know, the, all the potential, the dreams, it's, uh, it's an incredible thing. You know, the, the poem hope is a thing with feathers. Emily Dickinson. Emily Dickinson. Uh, I think about that a lot. I thought about that a lot when I was pregnant and you've, I, I thought that being pregnant was like the most hopeful time. And yeah. you, what is she going to look like? What is she going to be like? Is she going to look like me? Is she going to look like you? Is she, um, is she going, how is she going to come? Is the labor going to be hard or easy? Is my mom going to make it in time? You know, all the, mm-hmm. all the things that you have to wonder about. And I thought maybe that would end because you see her and you know who she is, but I actually find this period of time when we know what she looks like and we know how she got here and we know if my mom made it in time or not. Uh, I think it's the most hopeful because you now see this person and you still have so much to learn about her. And I'm learning so much about her every day. But now I, I think Lee and I were talking about this last night and it's like every stage of being a parent is a thing with feathers, right? Because eventually uh, we'll know what her laugh sounds like. And then once we know what her laugh sounds like, we'll say, well, what school is she going to go to? And then we'll know what school she's going to go to. And then we'll say, what sport is she going to like? Or, or is she going to be a good writer? All those things. And I feel like you obviously know this as a parent of, of older children, but every stage feels like it has its own feathers. And we're just so excited to be on that journey of figuring out her, her feathers. That's a beautiful thing. And that's absolutely true that every stage offers a completely new thing. And there are little like narratives that go along with the development of people and anybody with the kids understands what these are about. And you know, you get to a certain age and, and, but what's so beautiful about it is to watch the personality unfold. Right. And it happens in little bits and pieces and it's kind of an amazing thing. I'll tell you a funny story, which is that, um, you know, there's this uh, photographer who interviews people around New York. He did humans of New York. Mm-hmm. It was a best selling book. And uh, he sort of cornered me one night when I was coming back from a party. I was in Grand Central Station. And I saw him. He saw me. came over to me. started asking me questions. Took my picture. And he said, uh, was asking me about being a parent. And I said, well, sometimes it feels like, you know, there's nature and nurture. People talk about this all the time. Um, But I said, it often feels like... You know, I pulled back a the pinball and shot the ball into the machine, and you can kind of tilt it a little bit, but you don't fully have control over how people evolve and come out. I mean, well, he posted this on Facebook, and mm. it cre- caused a huge storm of controversy because some people are like, no, you can, you know— completely shape this child through education and all these things. Well, of course that's true. And by the way, I'd come back from a party, so I wasn't exactly in my um, highest intellectual phase, but, um, but the truth is one of the kind of exciting things about being a parent is you don't exactly know what's going to unfold. And it's a beautiful thing. And on the one hand, uh, as you'll learn through the years, um, you know, you that there's things you can't control and things you can, and you'll be frustrated with some of the things you can't, and then delighted and blown away by some of the things that you can't control also. Um, so in any event, 
Congratulations, Emily Jane Fox, just to put it on the record. Uh, Nothing means more to me. And your wisdom throughout this whole thing has been such a bright spot. And uh, I know you've, I've been spamming you with pictures over the last two weeks. More to (laughs) come. It's so funny. Pictures. Yeah. It's uh, the nature and nurture thing already. She looks like my sister as a baby in a way that is very crazy. It's not exact. And there's, there's definitely some lean in her, but she looks so much like my sister as a baby and my sister's daughter, my niece looked exactly like me as a baby, which is just like the weirdest genetic twist. Like mm-hmm. this thing is a miracle. Everything about this is just miraculous. And this baby is divine. And uh, before we move on to some more topical stuff and hoping that that this baby stays asleep for when we do. But um, last week I actually had to finish a magazine story on deadline. So with a a five day old, I was um, writing a 3,500 word story. Don't recommend it. I feel like it was sort of traumatic. Um, And it made me think of the last podcast that I was able to record before she came and um, about people who do not get any leave. And I do get a ton of leave. It just so happened that my baby came three weeks early and magazine deadlines are what they are. And I, Mm -hmm. I, as a psycho still wanted to turn in the story, um, which no one was pressuring me to do except for myself. And it just made me feel like the conversation we had, uh, in that podcast about the importance of paid leave just really hit home in a way that yeah. I, I, I intellectually understood it. And I felt like I was pretty sympathetic to it as well. But uh, having a five-day-old baby and having to work is not something that anyone in this country or world should have to do. It's not what you're meant to do. Your body's not meant to do it. Your mind's not meant to do it. Your heart's not meant to do it. And uh, I think we should just keep talking about it because if it puts a tiny bit of pressure on people in Washington to do the right thing and to support families in this country for whatever reason, whether it's because they have hearts or they see the bottom line or they see the political expedience of supporting it. I don't care what the why is, but it has to be something that we do in this country. There's no doubt in my mind now that it is a tippy top priority and it is for every family who's ever had to say, uh, to a mother, you know, you have to work when your infant is a few days old. I just, no one should have to do that. So we'll keep pressuring. There are a lot of issues on voters' minds right now. Six big ones could help decide the election. Guns, reproductive rights, immigration, the economy, health care, and the wars overseas. On the Consider This podcast from NPR, we will unpack the debates on these issues and what's at stake. You can listen to NPR's Consider This wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How is your social battery right now? Is it bursting with energy or drained? How do you recharge it? Have you ever reflected on those questions? Therapy can give you the self-awareness to build a social life that doesn't drain your battery. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Hive today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Hive. 
It's funny because you did these really fantastic interviews about this, and now here you are refusing to take your leave, really. Um, I'm you taking know, my uh, leave. Because, I just miss you. Yes. Well, I'm happy to reconnect and have your voice back in the mix. I, and I want to ask you, um, we don't want to reveal what story you're working on uh, right now, but um, what issue can listeners look forward to seeing the story that you wrote uh, within like, you know, a week or two of having had a baby. I believe that it will be in the October issue. Don't quote me on that because things change. That's the plan. Uh, but it will hopefully be online much sooner. And it is very topical and very timely, which is why I really wanted to get it done and not wait till I'm back. And it's something that I had been working on for a long time and it done probably 25 interviews for in the run up. Um, it's a story that, you know, I have a little girl and uh, there's the sort of the takeaway from the story is something that I will want to talk to her about at some point as she navigates her way in the world as a woman. And uh, it felt when I was pregnant and working on the story, it felt like this is something that I will definitely have to address with her. And I was very motivated as someone who knew she was going to have a daughter to start a conversation in the world about it. And uh, I felt it was really psychotic to do last week. And I, it was really kind of a crazy thing. And I just felt like I couldn't fully go on my leave knowing that I was possibly leaving this conversation behind someone else would do the story if I didn't do the story. And that drove me crazy in and of itself <laughs> uh, as my competitive beast was sort of still rearing its head. But I wanted to be the one to do it because I wanted to be able to tell her that I did it and tell her that, you know, we started having a conversation that we're going to have and it was too important to put on pause. So that's, that's sort of why uh, I felt compelled to do it though in, in a clearer headspace now, it was really a psycho thing to do. Well, I mean, that's something that we don't hear as much about, and it's interesting, which is that, of course, we want paid leave uh, for new mothers, and uh, but often mothers are, you know, right before they had a baby, were had careers. They have things they want to accomplish and things they hope to continue to accomplish. And so trying to strike that balance can happen even while you have the leave. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is like Lee is in production on a show that is in New York and we're in Los Angeles. And so he had to put a pause in what he was doing in order to come here and be with me. And he's still here, um, obviously, but he's able to have the time of the day to be on phone calls whenever he needs to be on phone calls, right? Like Lee is very hands-on, but the reality is there's nothing for him to do except for to keep me company and do small things that make my life easier. Everything falls on the mother at the beginning, really. I'm the one who, mm -hmm. who is able to feed her. And, and that's it. Like there are three things that a baby needs at this point on repeat, the primary one being feeding. And that's, that's just on me. Um, and so Lee's career would not have to pause if he did not decide to pause it. I was writing a story last week because I really wanted to finish it. And I started the day I was properly writing. I started writing at 630 in the morning after getting like one, two, two hour stretches of sleep. And I did not finish until 230 in the morning the following day. 
I took no breaks except for to feed her. So I fed her and then went right back to writing. And then I fed her again and went right back to writing. Um, just cause I wanted to get it done. No one, again, no one was telling me I had to do this, but I, as a mom, you just don't have another option if you want to continue to work. And it's just, it's all crazy. And it's all something that really has to be addressed. And I feel so passionate about just continuing to talk about it here and trying to keep people accountable for things that they've promised on campaign trails or talked about mm-hmm. in interviews. Uh, we should really hold people to what they say. This is too important to let it go. Well, it's an interesting uh, narrative for a number of reasons, but one is that, you know, right now, as you point out, a lot of the burden is largely on you because you just had the baby. The baby is going to have a very close physical relationship with you for the, the, the immediate future. But, you know, the the burden on the mother continues beyond that because both of societal kind of uh, the way we organize things and gender wise, uh, and we're trying to change that or, you know, evolve it. Uh, but also because the, the, the children, um, you know, have an attachment to their mother, totally natural that goes on for some time. And so there's always this balancing act that goes on and on and on. And it's like, um, it becomes like a kind of part of your, your life is trying to negotiate, uh, that. And, um, I will just give you one piece of advice that Please. I got, uh, when I first had a baby, which is, uh, somebody, uh, who, I'll just say who it is. It was like, I think it was Kurt Anderson of all people. Mm. But um, he was like, well, uh, make sure that uh, once you can, that you continue to go on dates with your spouse. Because, uh, you know, it's very easy to get subsumed in in parenthood and kind of lose the narrative thread and find out how it's changing and, con- and evolve it also alongside and in parallel to totally. the raising of your, your beautiful child. Totally. That is, Lee and I talk about that all the time. You want to hear something? So I'll tell you a, a Fox family maxim. My parents have been together since my mom was 15 and my dad was 17. They're high school sweethearts from my high school. Wow. And they are, I would say like probably the happiest married couple I've ever come in, in, across. And they just genuinely love spending time together still. I think they just celebrated their, I'm going to get this wrong. They've been married for a really long time. So I'm not going to tell you how long because I forget what anniversary they just celebrated. Um, But growing up, I have a sister. It's just two girls. And my dad always used to say to the two of us, I love you differently, but equally, but I love your mother more. And she is my first priority and it could have been hurtful, right? Uh, You don't often hear parents saying that I, that they love their spouse more, but I now as an adult woman realize what my dad was doing. And he was basically saying to us, you need to find a partner who values you in your relationship and puts you on a pedestal and, and, that's the kind of partner that you want to have and the kind of person you want to have children with. It was not uh, to put us down or to say that he didn't love us a lot because my dad pretty much loves us more than a human could love anybody. But um, I think that that became a priority for me, that I wanted to find a partner who was basically obsessed with me and, and valued spending time together more than anything. And I think I did find a partner who feels that way. And I want 
I say to Lee all the time, like, that is the maximum that I want JR to feel, that we value each other and our relationship more than anything, so that she finds a partner who values her and their relationship more than anything. So I agree with that advice. It's something we talk about and think about a lot in this house. And hopefully we will find time to do. We actually, the two of us went on a walk two days ago, just us. We left the baby. We were very lucky. We actually have four grandparents in town right now and uh, lots of help. So lots of hands wanting to hold her. That's huge. Having a, having the family around to uh, kind of age you in that. I I remember when I was um, living in Brooklyn with my, our first child and we would take uh, Rosa to, um, restaurants mm. and she would be she would be in the little carrier and we would just put her under the table oh my gosh and and so she'd be sort of surrounded by like you know a little table drape you know and uh you know and i it was you know, it worked it was funny and they were so asleep romantic. so they didn't care anyway it's so romantic to think about and uh we are desperate to do that but this brings me before before this peanut has to go eat i want to talk about this um we are kind of seeing some crazy Delta variant stuff happening. I don't know if mm-hmm. you're feeling that in New York, but we actually know a few friends who have gotten breakthrough COVID, like close friends. And we're vaccinated, vaccinated, double vaccinated. And I don't want to scare anybody or alarm anybody, but it feels like things are getting real with it. And uh, we are now like, Anyone who comes into our house to see the baby is we're having them put on a mask. Uh, right. It's just, you know, it seems kind of real. And breakthrough COVID is not like a myth. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. What are you guys excited to cover in the next few months? There's a new uh, translation of The Iliad that's coming out, Emily Wilson. I'm really excited to see whether I can read The Iliad again, whether I'm that literate. I mean, the jury is out. I can't wait to hear Adam Driver go again in an Italian accent in Michael Mann's Ferrari. <laughs> he can't stop. I mean, and and bless him. I can't wait. Molto bene. Molto bene. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. You really don't want to miss this. Don't. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. See you soon. <laughs> Well, uh, I have been probably a little bit in denial when I see these stories. I don't want to read them. Yes. Um, but, you know, reality doesn't always comport to our desires, as we now know. But that is something to keep in, in mind. So uh, you have been paying attention enough to the news to have to have brought that to our attention. Barely. Um, there- I paid zero attention to the news. I I the the covid stuff has come to me through je, literally just through friends and then i make lee read me some things sometimes but i have not opened twitter in two weeks really um besides working on that story last week i've i've paid attention to nothing so tell me what have i missed well there are stories great and small i'll just tell you that um 
Last night, I was uh, I went outside to look up at the stars, mm. and I saw a satellite going by. And I said, "Huh?" And my friend, my friend was here. He said, "Oh, that must be uh, Richard Branson," mm. um, because the big thing this week—that was a joke—but the, the big thing this week is the uh, in the last couple of weeks have been this like ridiculous. Um, kind of uh, space race between the moguls, mm-hmm. right? Um, which to me is significant because it means that it must be a slow news summer. But Great. at the top, I would say, is uh, that the leader of Haiti was assassinated under mysterious circumstances. Yes. Uh, that is still being um, investigated. Our reporter friend Gabe Sherman just sent me a story uh, moments before we started taping uh, about some mysterious documents that have emerged in which supposedly in 2016, Putin and his leadership had a meeting in which they strategized and planned on helping Trump become president so that they could destabilize uh, the United States. Wow. As in The Guardian, um, there is some question, are, are these leaked documents propaganda? Are they real? Um, but if they were real, um, they would be pretty, um, extraordinary. It's extraordinary, but it's definitely not shocking, right? We all kind of knew this, right? Well, that was the thing. It's like, how much do we buy into what formerly was a kind of, you know, lots of dots, but nothing connected kind of conspiracy. And, uh, you know, I try to withhold on conspiracies if I can, uh, they're, they're tantalizing and often they're the blueprint for for investigative reporting, you start with those dots and you see if you can connect them. But uh, pretty wild stuff. And the the um, various uh, British ambassadors to Russia have looked at the documents and pronounced that they are astounding. And so we'll wait for further developments on that. But pretty, pretty interesting. Wild stuff. Um, yeah, wild, wacky stuff. And, of course, the uh, ongoing... And kind of a tragedy in Miami mm. um, that we have been paying close attention to. Uh, so, you know, the news flow is always full of like um, tragedy and comedy. Uh, but I would say, in general, thinking about whether what's a good time to go on leave from the news, this would probably be it, I would it think. It feels like <laughs> as you're running me through this, uh, and and I'm hearing little rumbling. If you hear little squeakies, it's because I have a squeaky little thing waking up right now. Um, mm-hmm. It feels like kind of normal news, right? Like this feels like it's summer news, news cycle 101. Yeah. What I would say is like, like yourself, I also just finished a story. And a lot of times uh, the summertime, uh, we're gearing up for the fall. The fall is when you're going to be you know, the machine starts up again, right? Um, In the United States, as opposed to Europe, you know, we don't go on month-long vacations, but things that certainly slow down in the summer. And um, I would say one thing I hope that we can bring onto the podcast in the next couple of weeks is somebody to come on and talk about climate change. Mm. I would say the top story has been the weather. And the question that comes to my mind and to a lot of people's mind is like, how much can we look at the sort of, um, you know, what's in front of us, the weather patterns in front of us, and extrapolate out to see this as part of climate change, which is a question that's been on the front of my mind a lot lately. So I think we should find a guest to talk about that. And we'll, I have some know, thoughts you for and you. I. And I think that that is 100% true. And I mean, we have been 
relatively spared here in Los Angeles with weather, but I fear what's to come in September when fire season really starts. Mm -hmm. So I'm with you and I look at the weather in New York. I look at the forecast every day um, when I check the weather here in Los Angeles, which pretty much is 82 and sunny every day. And I think like, what is happening? There is just, it's rainy, it's it's steaming hot, it's freezing cold, uh, it makes no sense. And so I think that is a very important conversation. And I think our, our guest co-host agrees because she is squeaking up a storm. It may be time for her lunch, but before we go, I just want to thank you, Joe, for taking on a burden and allowing me to have this time with this little gremlin noisemaker right here. And it is so precious and you're giving us such a gift. It is my pleasure and so much fun to hear your voice and see you and have JR in our sphere now after I, I was saying weeks earlier, it's been months we've been talking about the arrival of JR here on the podcast. Yeah, and now JR is with us. It's, it's fabulous. I'm looking at her. She's, I can see that she's beginning to wake. There's some some grimacing facial, happening here. Some great, some, some grimacing and it's a beautiful thing. And, oh, um, you might get to see her big blue eyes. Oh my God. This is really, this is live, <laughs> live feed from the pre-feed. Exactly right. If only you guys could see, it's a very, very cute sight. I must say I'm a little biased, but it's, it's, I think objectively a cute sight to see. Well, listen, I mean, we have been talking about, we, we touched on the news. News, by its very nature, is often bad. We talk about climate change, but um, it really is nice to have a bright light of hope right here with it. Look, she's sneering at me as I say that. But she's I, saying, I, you're I, so just, embarrassing, Uncle Joe. That's totally. You couldn't well, be that's, more embarrassing, Uncle Joe. But uh, it's great to to have her <laughs> and to have you, Emily Jane Fox, and so... We'll hope to hear from you and whenever you feel like coming back to dip in. I'll be back we're soon. Gonna I'll be, be here back for you. like I think we're going to I'm going to come back once a month for you guys and talk maybe maybe more. This is really nice. I get these these little, you know, hour long chunks to be myself and I feel more myself in in these episodes and anywhere else. So I'm here. I'm excited to talk. Maybe next time I'll know more about the news though. Probably not. And I feel really happy about it. It's such a great little detox. And my dad came over the other day and he was mentioning something about the case into the Trump organization. And I said, don't know, don't care. And <laughs> that sort of stopped that conversation right in its tracks. And I couldn't be more true. So uh, here's to a summer of not knowing, not caring, and really focusing on the things that matter and bring us joy, right? 100%. Emily, We'll see you next month. We'll see. We'll see you when we see you. JR is opening those big blue eyes. Time for lunch. She loved being here. She thanks you for your patience. And we will we will see you soon. And that's our show this week. Thanks to Emily Jane Fox and JR for coming onto the program this week. Thanks to our producer Brett Fuchs. Thanks to the people at Cadence 13 for helping make this happen. Please support our sponsors the way they support this program. Please subscribe if you liked what you heard today by hitting the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. 
We'll see you next week. You come to the New Yorker Radio Hour for conversations that go deeper with people you really want to hear from, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Questlove or Olivia Rodrigo, Liz Cheney, or the godfather of artificial intelligence, Jeffrey Hinton, or some of my extraordinarily well-informed colleagues at The New Yorker. So join us every week on The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.